Hey guys, it's Gary Vaynerchuk, and this is the Gary V Audio Experience. Twelve months ago, I had a meeting with a man who changed my fucking life. He called me on my bullshit, and he made me put this event together. He was my inspiration, he's your inspiration too. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage, Expert Empires 2017, Gary Vaynerchuk! Yeah! Before the K in my last name. <laughs> Classic. Whoa. Um, so, somebody's getting fired. So, <laughs> that's the best. I actually have a t shirt that says no C before the K. Uh, thank you so much for the warm welcome. Super pumped. Please sit down. Let's get into this. The fog machine's pretty intense. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there's a couple things I want to talk about. But more realistically, I want to uh, really focus on doing some Q&A because I think a lot of you that are here have seen my spiel and you can hear my shtick and I don't think there's any uh, reservations or lack of content out there about what I think. I think uh, the world is in an incredible place. I think we're all so lucky to be alive during a time where the internet is hitting maturity that allows for an enormous amount of opportunity. The truth is a lot of people squander it because they're looking for shortcuts. My biggest fear as I stand on this stage today is not only here in this room but in the entire market, I think everybody's just genuinely looking for it to happen quicker than it actually happens. I think one of the great things that's going on for me right now with DRock, let's hear it up for DRock. One of the cool things about having DRock now document, I was saying backstage how much I wish that I've been vlogging when I started at Wine Library because I think it would be important for everybody here to have the context of watching 10 years of working in a liquor store every single day for 15 hours a day in a vlog. You've heard the story, you know my background, but the reality is it's very hard to quantify unless you see it or you feel it. There's legitimately, how many people here under 35? Raise your hands. (laughs) Yeah, I mean like, the level of disrespect I have for anybody under 35 that wants it tomorrow is so high, in a good way. I'm not mad at you. I just think that it's a very interesting time to be alive because the internet gives us opportunity for things to happen quick, but the reality is the people in this room that will win are the ones that take it slow. I think my energy and the way I roll speaks to a lot of fast-paced stuff but if you really peel away what I'm talking about, it's just super old school. I very much more associate with 70 and 80 year olds than I do with 20 and 30 year olds about the way this goes down. And so if I, look, if I could say anything, it's the following. There's no system, there's no process, there's no thing that's gonna make it happen faster there's only a couple of tried and true things. Number one, if you don't provide real, actual value to people in exchange for the money that you're asking for in return, you will lose over time. It happens every time. You might be able to make some quick cash, but you will never win long term, 
and you will go through the same shit over and over. There are plenty of 30, 40, 50 year olds in here who go up and down, up and down, up and down because their stuff is horse shit and it's not coming from the right place and they're looking to make a quick buck and some character on stage says that they got a process that's gonna make it happen fast and they're wrong. So that's number one. Number two, you're living in a time where you're competing against everybody else. Let me just make this perfectly clear. As fucking awesome as it is that it doesn't cost anything to produce content and put it on the social web, you're competing with everybody else. When I take out my phone and I go through Instagram and Facebook, I'm not just competing with people that write business books or put out entrepreneurial content. I'm competing with people that talk about football and milk and parenting and gardening and the news and the weather. There is one stream and we're all competing for that attention. So, I highly recommend that what you put out has a chance of succeeding while you also put out as much content as possible to break through. Let me break down what I believe in and then I really wanna go into Q&A. I believe that there's only one thing that connects every single person in this room, which is, at the end of the day, it is our job to storytell to other human beings what our spiel is about, and then we want something to happen, right? You may be trying to raise money for the PTA, or you may be running for mayor, or you might be trying to sell sneakers, or a program, or a process, or your music, or your art, but at the end of the day, the only thing that every single pe person here is actually combined by is that you're fighting for somebody's attention, and then you have to say something, and then you're hoping something that happens. What I have done really well in my career is that I've always been really good at intuitively understanding where people's attention was when most of the people in this room didn't yet. I launched an e-commerce business in 1996 when people thought selling wine on the internet was crazy. There are people in this room and definitely the parents of people in this room that thought the internet was a fad. That was a real conversation. There's a lot of youngsters in here, but for some of us with a little more gray hair, the internet being a fad was a real conversation in 1992, three, four, five, six. Like, would it even be around, right? Then I did email marketing. How many people here have done email marketing in their careers? Perfect. In 1996-7, I had an email newsletter of 200,000 people buying wine with 91% open rates. Not because I'm so great, but because nobody was doing it, and that's what it was. It wasn't that there was such good headline writing, it wasn't that it was so smart, it was that nobody was doing email marketing, and when, how many people here were on email in 1997? Raise your hands. Raise them higher. So all of you remember what I remember about email 1997, which is we read every fucking word of every single email. It's what we did because it was just supply and demand, right? Like you treated it like actual mail. You're like, fuck, I better read this. Free money from the Congo? Cool. You know, like, 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 like literally. <laughs> then Google AdWords came out. The day Google AdWords came out, I started buying wine terms on it for five cents a click. And I owned those terms for almost a year before anybody bid me up. So while most people didn't even know it existed, I was arbitraging people's attention because I thought people were searching and I was extracting sales. This is a game and a system, by the way, that is free, zero dollars and zero cents, that will always be tried and true. Where is the attention of the end consumer? 
Where do most people think it is? Meaning that's overpriced as we stand here today. Print ads, radio ads for the most part, television, billboards, direct mail, a ton of programmatic banners and other digital assets on the internet. And where is it underpriced? As we sit here today, no matter what you sell, Facebook, Instagram influencers, Snapchat, filter, open marketplace if you're marketing to people under 30. And where is it going to go very soon that it's not five or 10 years away? Consumer virtual reality is far away. Do you need to make your products and service map to that? I don't think so, not for next year or the year after. But is Alexa voice and Alexa skills, is podcasting as a media company or as advertising, is that here at scale? Very close. And here, if you're doing podcast advertising, and definitely if you're good enough to be a podcast. So basically, here's what I think. I think that information is commoditized. There's so much information on the internet. It's hard to sell information, in my opinion, and feel good about it because there's so much of it. There's a reason my content is free. It's because the supply and demand of content is harder than ever to sell and differentiate if you wanna feel great about it because there's so much content. Is your $300 thing actually available for four hours of Google searching? Is your $100 thing actually available for $9? The answer is yes. I'll save you time as you debate it. So, that's what I think about. I think that it runs tried and true for everybody. I think there's a couple things that really make sense to me, like this rule. You know zero people, zero people that actually created wealth. I don't mean your lucky friend who inherited his grandmother's money. I mean, you don't know anybody on earth that created an actual business and made wealth without working their fucking face off. There is no such thing as passive income. It doesn't exist. You might have something that's working for a little while because you did landing page optimization and you figured out how to arbitrage Google for a few seconds, aka a couple years, but that will go away when Google changes its algorithm or when people go to mobile devices, or when Facebook becomes more important, which means it was working for 24 months or 16, but now it's not, which is everything but passive, because you start building your life on it, and then when shit hits the fan, you have to adjust and it really fucks you up. So these are the big things that I think about, which is why are so many people looking for shortcuts when life is long? Why are people not willing to do the tried and true thing when if you just audit every single situation, it's always the same thing, which is the people that run marathons win and the people that are running sprints lose. And it's because people lack patience, people are seduced by stuff, people make all their decisions on short-term money because they want stuff, people are insecure and want to posture in front of other people that they're successful. There's just a million fucking reasons why you do it, but it just doesn't make it right. So I'm on a little bit of a mission. You know, like my big thing is I build other businesses and then the Gary Vee stuff is kind of like out there and does its thing. Sure, it leads to opportunities, but for me it's, I'm on a mission for legacy around this. 
I'm not, you know, I'll get, I'll get paid to come and speak, I'll write my books, but I'm not trying to create content as a top of the funnel thing to sell something at scale. Um, I'm not against that. I know the far majority of people want to do that. Mazel tov, knock yourself out. It's just not the way I see it because I don't think that's how the trends play out. And if you're good enough, you don't need it. So these are things that keep playing over and over in my mind. Over and over in my mind. Over and over in my mind. Stakes are high. Opportunity is very high. The competition is real. Every single person in this room is competing with each other, no matter how they position or slightly position it, because we're going into an attention battle. We only have so much attention. Time is the asset. Uber, one of the great misses of my career, because I passed on the angel round twice, and that $50,000 investment would be worth $300 million, and that fucking pisses me off. <laughs> Uber, I misunderstood, because I thought that Uber was selling transportation, but what I realized when I invested it a little bit later, so I'll do okay, is that Uber sells time. And even funnier, Uber sells the perception of time. You think you're gonna, I mean, I stand in New York City all the time waiting for my Uber, watching cabs drive by me. <laughs> so I'm fascinated by consumer trends. I absolutely think about always what do people actually do? Why are you doing what you do? Why are people in this room going hiking going to conferences, going to Coachella, going to matches, just so they can take the selfie and show people what they're doing. What's that about? Does that mean event marketing is more important than ever? It does. We are doing more stuff than ever now because we are painting our lives to people through our pictures more than ever, thus forcing us to do shit just for the picture. How do you think about these things at a macro is very important to me. It's a super important thing of how I think about the psychology of human beings. So much of what I actually do, and you can see the tone that I've brought here tonight. I've, I want you to understand why I do the things I do. Because I know that the tactics I've laid out over and over and over and over again, you guys can verbatim repeat some of my shit. It's, you need to understand why because the only thing that will ever have value is if you understand people and you try to desperately figure out how to provide them more value than you're asking for them in return. And that is where almost everybody breaks. Everybody is selfish. You want the money. You want the thing. You don't wanna provide more value than that thing is worth. You actually wanna do it the other way. And by the way, when I say you, I'm not talking about this room, I'm just talking about the whole fucking game. Everybody. It's why so few people break through. Because when everybody's doing the same shit, they don't win. And all these systems look the fucking same. And they all do the same thing and it forces everybody into the same behavior. And then there's a reason why a few people break through. Because they go the other way. Everybody goes left, a couple people go right. That's where all the fucking action is. All the action is in one place. In a world where everybody is creating content for the internet, which is where everybody's eyes are, over and over, only a few can break through because they're providing more value in return and they have patience to not ask for money in the upfront, but they actually build something and then are able to extract value later. So that's it, super basic. That's how I think about it. I, um, I, I don't think we're going backwards. 
I think what I just talked about is getting compoundly worse and more optimistic. It depends on where you are. You'll get more value if you overprovide. You'll get less value if you follow the masses. I think that it's really hard to be patient. I'm empathetic. You may have debt. You may have things you want to do. I'm super empathetic. I really am. The problem is it doesn't change the reality of what it is. You know, just, you know, I don't know what else to say. Like, and, and I want to remind everybody, you can say easy for you to say, Gary V, da da da. I just want to remind everybody, I only give advice that I ate. From 20 to 32 for 12 years of my life, I worked seven days a week in a liquor store every fucking day and gave up everything. I worked. I worked 15 fucking 16 hours a day, every single day. I did not have one Saturday off in my 20s. None. Biggest day of the week. None. Literally, 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 99% of the people in this room will take more Saturdays off tomorrow than I took off in my entire 20s. It's just true. Like, like, I just need people to know how it happens. I'm very fearful that you see me flying around with fucking D-Rock and you think that's what happened. This is just a lot of work a lot of work, and I'm, don't forget, I'm also rogue. I gave up on school right around fourth grade, so I was willing to take D's and F's and let them push me through the system so I could learn how to sell baseball cards and do all my things, so I've been on this for my whole fucking life. And so, I don't know, I think entrepreneurship's in a very weird place where everybody thinks they are one. I think everybody thinks they're an entrepreneur because they write it in their Instagram bio, and I think that that's not gonna work out. I really don't. And I think self-awareness is something we need to talk more about. You may be great at sales. You may be an entrepreneur. You may be great at operations. You might be really good at finance and math. The more you can put yourself in a position of what you do best, instead of trying to be something else, the more you will succeed. It's black and white, it's true, it's forever. You just might be super creative and you haven't sold shit in your life. Like it's really weird to all of a sudden be really into selling when you never sold anything for the first 25 years of your life. I was ripping people's fucking flowers out of their yard when I was four and trying to sell it back to them. That's DNA. You know what I mean? I mean it though. I'm not trying to become a CFO now just because I know it's good financial arbitrage. And I just, I don't know, I'm worried that everybody's getting pushed into things that they're not instead of blocking it out and going all in on who they are. Because that's just where it's gonna be. That's just tried and true. So. My, my kind of serious tone here for tonight is predicated on the bubble that I fear. The bubble of all oh, this is easy and it's happening, it's, it's just not. There's so few startups that are actually gonna make money and win. We spend all our time focusing on Snapchat and Facebook and these couple of once in a generation things. We don't talk, like for every Instagram, there's 40,000 Insta shits. And so I do not want to be part of the pyramid scheme of success. I want to talk about what's actually happening. And what's actually happening is every day things get more competitive and forces you to actually bring more value to the end user. So if you think you're going to mail in, if you think it's about your marketing, let me tell you something as a big time fucking marketer, the best marketing in the world doesn't fix your shit product. Like, if your product sucks, you fucking lost. And so, I know you think your fucking product's awesome. You think your kids are cute. They're fucking ugly. 
I know why you want it to work. And so, I don't know, I, um, I really wanna put you in a mindset of the work and of the value, because it's the only thing that has ever won ever, ever. I wanna get ready for Q&A, so let's get the mics going. If you have a question, start putting up your hands. Let's definitely go with that little girl who went first. I think you'll say also- Hold on, hold on, hold on. What's your name, little girl? My name is Tegan Helen. How are you? Good. Good. So, I love you so much and you're awesome. Thank you. <laughs> and I got some gifts for you. Well, I'd like them. Do you want to come up here and give them to me? How are you? Thank you. Can I have a hug? Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Is this you? You've written three books? Jesus fucking Christ. That's amazing. Great job. Awesome. All right. Questions? Where are the mics? Go ahead. Wherever you want to go. All right, anybody got a mic? Yeah, let's just go, go to somebody. There we go. Stand up. Hi, Gary. What's your name? Uh, my name is Andre. Andrew? Andre. Andre. Like Agassi. Got I'm, it. Uh, <laughs> from Colombia, South America. Very nice. Uh, and I'm a photographer. Okay. I have never known if it's a blessing or, a, you know, like, like a, a curse. curse. Yeah. Right. So my business right now, or the thing that I'm doing in Instagram, is trying to become like a destroyer of photography in a sort of way. I take good, I think, good pictures. But I want to send a message to other artists about thinking that art is not the, what it used to be. Like you cannot make money or a living out of it. You should actually try to be more of a personality around it. So my question is, how would you market this idea? So you wanna be somebody that tells other artists that it's not about selling the art, it's that you need to build a personal brand and be the personality behind the art and then that's the monetization because then people will buy your art or because then you can do something else. Exactly, the, the second part. Okay, so that, that's... Of actually like pursuing art for the sake of being art and monetizing if you want it by doing some, something around it. Yeah, I mean, I, first I would not tell them how to monetize. So the biggest artists in the world are self-promoters and marketers of their brand and then they sell the art. So the first one to me is a far more interesting conversation because artists are artists for a reason. There's a reason all those people want to take those photos or paint those pictures. It's because it's what they're good at or they like or it's what they love. So forcing them into like forget that, the art is the gateway for you to be a personal brand and monetize that I think is just a bad strategy, right? You just have entrepreneurial DNA in you that happen to match along with the art, and that's actually a rarity, right? Most people don't carry both. This is what I'm, to be very frank, concerned of. The thought that the model is, let's take them out from what they wanna do or what they wanna be doing, and I'm gonna teach them how to build a personal brand. The first question becomes, why are you the right person to do that? Like, have you done that? Yeah, I, I'm doing it like uh, day to day since uh, January that I, uh, came across your content. Doing what? 
doing what? Uh, what do you mean? Like, how do have I go you, about it? Have you made money not being the artist, but you're making money using art as the gateway? Ah, yeah, the, the second part that you say. How? How are you making money? Uh, well, I started by taking the pictures and selling them. Okay. And so what I have done is taking your advice of narrating my reality day to day. Your so blog, right blog. now, I'm not like making a living out of doing this. I'm just building like the blocks to get there because of maybe this bad strategy. Right, that so, say. so <laughs> first, no, it's okay. It's a good strategy. Here's the problem. Too many people want to go into teaching people how to make money a different way before they've actually ever made money without making money teaching people how to make money. I mean, for me, what gave me the audacity to talk about business was in my 20s, for 12 years without saying a fucking word to anybody, I built a $60 million retail business that made me feel like, oh, let me tell you what I did or what I thought about. So I think the big thing that concerns me is I think vlogging and building awareness and documenting, that's good because that's going to bring you attention. My friends, attention is the currency of our society. The number one arbitrage in our world, it's called fame, right? Get real famous and the weirdest shit happens. People give you everything for free. Makes no sense, it's background, you know, like, it's the number one arbitrage. So getting people to care about you for you and your journeys is important. What you do with that power and how you make money is even more important. That's the thing to think about. So I, I would say, before you tell people how to make money about it, you need to do that for yourself first, figure out what that was, and then do it. Okay, thank you very much. You're welcome. Hi. Hi, first of all, I can't believe that I get to win the thing and have a picture with you and then I get to ask you a question. I'm, it's a I big must be. Day. It really is! <sighs> okay, so, um, hi, I'm Alex. My question is this uh, My husband and I have a business which we love. We have lots of singing schools around the part of England where we're from. And we have got to a stage where we have to make a decision whether we want to get a big mum alone and go all around the UK or just go. grow slowly yes. and organically. Yep. Which one? Number two. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. But remember, number two is what I like. Yeah. You may like number one. Here's what I don't like. I never like borrowing a lot of money mm. when the economy's been good for eight years. <laughs> it just feels like, guys, people get over leveraged. Like if you, like having credit card debt to invest into your business is not fun. What's fun about that? Like all my friends who have startups who raise $4 million for their app and lose money every month, I've got news for you. It doesn't take a fucking hero to lose money each month. Like, so look, if you're super confident, what I would rather you do is, you've got how many of them already? We've got about 11 schools around I would East look, I would look at how profitable you were running that business. I would look at what you're doing with the money you make each year as in your personal life, and as in like, what do you spend the money on? Right. Does it make profit? It makes profit, it's not a massive profit, but it does make some profit. Before you borrow and go open 49, you have 11 fucking locations and you don't make a lot of profit, you need to fucking make the business better. Yeah. Because guess what happens when you make your, your energy to making your 11 locations make 20% more money? You, you actually have your own money to expand. Right. Go fucking figure. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Go ahead, my friend. Uh, right. 
Higher. Yeah. Uh, in terms of uh, as you become more successful. A little uh, louder, my friend. As you become more successful and more opportunities open, yes. door, yeah. How do you say no, or what? How, what filter do you use to say no? Complete gut intuition. I have no fucking idea how this dude got in front of me for 20 minutes in London. <laughs> I'm being dead serious. Like my my answer is intuition, um, and it's the complete vulnerability of how I'm mapping my life and other people that are crippled by op opportunity. The, but the biggest thing I do is I don't look back and dwell. You never know. Like I always think about, let's use the Uber example, right? I might have invested in Uber, right? And I might have made $300 million on paper and that would have made me even more internet investment famous. So maybe I would have went to San Francisco to be on Bloomberg West and talk about why I invested in Uber and maybe on that trip I would have got hit by a car and died. Like life is such a matrix so the reason I'm able to navigate through intuition is because I don't ever, ever, ever think what if. And I think way too many people are looking backwards. You guys, the amount of people in this room that are thinking about shit that happened 16 years ago, like what if I dated Donnie Thompson? Fuck Donnie Thompson. <laughs> so, so the real answer is intuition. It's always got my North Star in mind, which is does this bring me attention or awareness, bring me into new audiences? Does this make me the short-term dollars I need to navigate my world? Is this gonna help me buy the New York Jets? These are all things that are running through my mind, but at the end of the day, the honest answer is gut call over and over and over and never crying about what happened. Cheers. Hi, Gary. My question is, what's the best mistake that you've made the best mistake? So, all of them. <laughs> um, and I'll tell you why, it's a really funny question. People ask me about my mistakes. My man, I, I make so many mistakes. Like, I make a mistake, I make big mistakes often. I haven't had anything that is really, I'm trying to think of my best mistake. Probably, my best mistakes is watching some of the companies that I passed on in investing become successful and I knew that they were good but I didn't love the idea and it's teaching me how much it comes down to the person. More than ever in my life, in my 40s now, do I believe it's about the person and that some people can win just by sheer will and brute of force and so that's an interesting mistake for me as companies are coming around, but to be very honest with you, that's a fairly bullshit answer, and let me tell you why it's a bullshit answer. I spend so little time on my mistakes, it would make your fucking head spin. I am incapable of respecting my mistakes. Fuck my mistakes. And that is a huge insight to how I drive. And it's interesting that the last question and this question have such a similar thing. Like, it is about moving forward. So I'm not sure, I don't have a classic on my resume where like, this thing fucked up, but the next time I saw it, I did it this thing and I won. Like, I don't have that cliche answer. I default into having mistakes every day, trying to learn from them, but really not even manifesting or realizing their mistakes. I just think they're part of the process. And that's not a, that's not, that's not a razzing you up or like, yay, like there's no such thing as mistakes, Donnie. There's mis I fucking lost money on a hundred things I've done. But at the macro, I didn't. That's why I don't like being over leveraged, right? 
Like I've never made a mistake because I never put myself in a position where this thing kills me. That's a mistake. That's how I think about it. Yep. Go ahead. Um, hi Gary. How are uh, you? I, good. I have read all of your books. What's your um, name? Somi. How are you? Good. Thank you. Um, I'm one of those quiet fans that you hate. Thank and you. <laughs> no comments? Zero. Uh, yeah, but I... You're a lurker. Yeah, I am. Fuck. <laughs> I, because it's mostly because I, I watch the Daily V show in the gym when I'm on the treadmill or something. We can so. get off for a second and just say, good job Gary. <laughs> but I really love the content and look, I, I'm I'm kidding. I'm now. kidding. Go ahead. Um, I run a uh, video production company and I work with um, a sort of smaller luxury brands, uh, okay. you know, bespoke luxury brands. Okay. And um, I've been running my business for two years now. Before that, I used to be a TV producer for five years. So um, I'm coming from that sort of content, original content background. And my background is mainly in sort of reality shows and talk shows and things like that. Okay. So I'm trying to find a way to um, bring together branded content and original content. Great. And uh, what I'm trying to do is sort of uh, almost like a female version of GQ. So um, some sort of like an online channel uh, that is for uh, female kind of business women who are like real business women, you know. I love and um, so trying to create original content for this and um, I've um, it's really hard because at the same time I'm also uh, running my current business. So I was wondering if you have any ideas on, um, because I'm writing a pitch for it and trying to um, get investment. So I'm not entirely sure uh, so how publish? to show that I will monetize it, you know, when I go to investors. So I think- Well, the like Vice and Refinery29 and, and all these companies, you know, BuzzFeed, they've shown how a media company can monetize, let her hold on to the mic, let her hold on yeah. to the mic, can monetize, you know, this, I think, I don't think that's necessarily... Because I'm going for a niche market, so... My it's not a niche market. Well, female, business women, you know. It's the, it's like, <laughs> like the kind of women that will shop from Netto Porter, you know. The I understand what you're saying. I don't think it's a niche market. Okay. I think you're selling yourself out of it being a niche market. Like, I think you're selling yourself on it. It's a huge market. I literally don't know where to start from, uh, to go from branded content, because I have a stable business now, and it's growing slowly. So in the past two years, I started the business, and um, it's, it's been growing, growing really nicely. So it's kind of like finding the balance between running the current business and, well, and the, transitioning Well, first to and foremost, that's right. I mean, first and foremost, you have to understand, you're looking to become a publisher. Right? Yeah, I want, I, my aim, my goal has yeah. always been you to want to become a publisher. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're starting a brand that Condé Nast or Hearst could start tomorrow if they decided to go after the female business, right? Yeah. That's hard. Yeah. And like, real hard. And so like, so I don't know if you know, did you see in January I bought a company called PureWow? Yeah, I've heard about it. Yeah. Right, so the work that goes into being a successful publisher in today's internet at scale that goes after a genre like that mm -hmm. is very, very competitive. Yeah. You're minimally gonna need to raise a couple million dollars just for the tech and the infrastructure, even if you go freelance to create enough creative. You're also gonna have to get a co-founder who's in the tech business, yeah. who's a builder, because he or she has to be your co-founder because you're in the tech business by being a digital publisher. Yeah. You're also going to need to really have somebody on your team that disproportionately understands how to hack the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat ecosystem to siphon audience because there's no publisher right now that's coming out and getting any growth mm -hmm. without being deeply 
um, integrated into the Facebook ecosystem. Yeah. So the thing that I hear that I would recommend is for you to get two co-founders okay. because you're busy. Yeah. You're missing a lot of the elements to have a prayer of anybody writing you a check for your company, mm. right? Part of me thinks to, to sort of let it grow organically and build it from my current business. I would but love it that. Is, but it is, it is very difficult. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping to um, make just over a quarter million this, this year. Last year, I did about half of that. And, yep. uh, and that started from zero, just literally nothing. I get it. So it's... M my intuition is I love you building it organically off the profits of the first thing. You're missing a one, probably two co-founders or real hardcore ninjas. You will not win in publishing in that space. Would you be interested? Not me. <laughs> but you need them. I really think you need a tech founder and a growth hacking quant-based marketer to get you traffic or you'll have zero chance. Okay, all right. Awesome. Hi, Gary. Hey, man. Uh, my name is William. Uh, so I want to talk about transition. Okay. Because I think a lot of people here go to transitions when they go from one field to another and they just okay. become whatever business. Yep. So in your case, uh, yep. well, I'll tell you in your case, in my case. In my case, I, I came from a career of doing very well as an architect, and then we transitioned into uh, running a media company okay. that runs several, uh, channel, several channels. So um, uh, in your case, you were the wine guy. Um, yes. I remember 10 years ago, somebody told me, oh, there's a guy eating cereal with wine or something. Yes. And I just looked at it and then moved on. But then what that made me realize is that eventually you opened VG Media, uh, sorry, uh, VaynerMedia. Can you take everyone here a little bit into how you started? I know you had an $80,000 uh, client as your first client, if I remember correctly. That's very good. How did you uh, perform with that person? And how did you move on to that second client? How did you start doubling up and doubling up? How did I get my first client since I was branded in a different yeah. genre? In like, how did I create credibility in exactly. a new world? I mean, well, a, I mean, we already have clients and stuff. We have a certain amount of credibility because we communicate, which is what I think what you realize you did well. Yes. It's just a different media, different medium. So uh, right. that so, first client, that relationship, how did you manage that? And then how do you make it to the second one? By listening. That's the real answer, right? And hold on to this, because I want to make sure I get to your answer. Somebody emailed me something, you know, don't forget, it was coming to me a little bit, because I always do first. That's a big problem in the game. I do first and let shit come to me. I don't say that, right? Like, I don't say I'm, you know, like that, that has no leverage. Then you're selling. I don't sell for shit. I brand and market and let shit come to me. So what I did, was to answer your question, you're gonna love this. You wanna know the straight up answer to your question? Give it to me. I spent 12 hours a day on Twitter in 2007, because I thought it was gonna be big, amassed one of the largest followings on Twitter, and then Gillette Razors emailed me and said, you have 180,000 followers on Twitter. We'd like to understand what Twitter is. Can we pay you a consulting fee to tell us what to do? I said, yes, $80,000. They said, okay, that's how I got my first client. That's awesome. I wanted just to get that first new story out of you. You know, like, to me, to me, there's so much in, like, doing. And then, and then when I said listening, I had no fucking idea. So we went there to talk Twitter. Then they're like, we're doing an activation in Las Vegas. Can you do it? I'm like, uh-huh. 
you know? And then I was like, fuck, you know? And so then I just started asking questions. I think the biggest thing, and you know, it's funny, this goes back to how I started this talk, really. I spend all my time listening. The reason I want people to leave comments is I read them. I read all the comments. I read the ones that say that I'm the best, I read the ones that say that I'm the worst, I read the one, and all I do is I listen. It's so funny, I get made fun of when I ask Gary Vee because I'm always interrupting people. It's because I've gotten so good at listening, I know what the fuck people are gonna say before they say it. <laughs> I just wanna move on, you know? So, one of the ways to get the next clients is to never let the last client fail. The only way not to let a client fail is to over-listen and provide them what they want at all costs which is why I always push against people selling to the bottom because the bottom doesn't know what to do with it and then you're never gonna win, you're just gonna keep regurgitating the bottom. And so that's how I did it. I did it first and then I listened very carefully to the first 20 clients to make sure there was no chance that there was gonna be any vulnerability and I built on the word of mouth of our quality deliverables for the client. Awesome, thanks. You got it. Gary. Yes. Here, on your right. Here we Hi, go. Nate. Um, just like that lady, we've worked out together every morning for the last year, just so Thank you know. You. Um, I appreciate it. I know, you tell me at the end of every podcast. I appreciate your ear. Um, I'm an actor. Okay. And I, one thing that really pisses me off, I've mentioned it to a lot of people who are here, are there's a lot of actors out there who fail their career and then they decide they're going to open up acting schools or they're going to, you know, promise people sure. to have this career that they never had, all right? So what I do, I'm very much document over create. I kind of document my own career. Very fortunate at the moment to be working pretty regular. I've just booked another TV job recently. So I kind of like feel that I can credibly not... Yeah, but you know you and I agree on this, except be careful because I promise you, I know in American football, I don't know in your football league, but I promise you some of the best coaches of all time weren't good fucking players. Yeah. These, I, these are just people who have, who have basically tried and then just not done it and then... Well, because then... something like acting and athletics and business is talent. Yeah. You do need, you do need that. The thing oh, that... Oh, oh, hold on. <laughs> talent. Like, news alert, if there was a system that everybody would be successful in around entrepreneurship, which means, let me define entrepreneurship for you, you get to do shit on your terms and make enough money to do it, every single fucking person on earth would do it. This is why I talk about self-awareness, right? So I know where you're going and I talk a lot about it as well, which is like, why the fuck are you buying shit from people who've never done it, right? Yeah. But I think it, we have to be a little careful to also know there's been great coaches who didn't win at the highest levels, but they understood the craft. If you were an actor who went through the process of acting school, went and tried to make it, got a couple commercials, did a little Broadway, did a little stuff, but never got there. You, you clearly got to see the people that had it and the people that didn't have it. You might then become aware and then you may be able to guide. The problem is, what you and I hate is when somebody sucked at it and yeah. makes pretend like they were good That's at it. it, yeah. That's the problem. Great coaches are like, they grab you and they say, kid, you fucking asshole. I worked every day for 15 hours a day. I fucking studied everything and you've got more talent in your left foot than I have in my whole body. You need to do this. Not, be like me. I'm fucking one and now we win. They're full of shit. Yeah. So, that's, so that, that was sort of part one. So I was saying, so what I do is, um, 
I kind of like, anytime I book a job, I, um, you know, and I meet somebody, I kind of interview them, I get them on, I do a podcast. Yep. Um, I do um, two periscopes once, like, twice a week. They then get uploaded to YouTube. They get, the audio gets ripped to the podcast. So I'm putting content out yep. consistently all the time. Good. So much of it for free. Good. And then there's like a tiny little bit of it that I charge a premium um, subscription for on, a, on a, a community website that I run. Okay. I've got a lot of people signed up for the free stuff. They just don't think your product is worth it to pay for. Well, I was going to say, can you give away? Is it possible sometimes you're just giving away too much for free that people are like, I've actually got enough coming through for free that I don't really need to pay for anymore because I've got enough info? You know that thing you said about the actors? Yeah. That. If you're good enough, there's not too much is free. Yeah. So. That means you're not good enough. You can... I'm, Gary, I'm good enough, man, I swear. No, 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 be careful. The market decides if you're good enough, bro. It's, a, it's just, yeah, it's just, yeah. Thank you. I'm definitely good enough, guys. No, no, but give it, give it back to him. This is an important thing, because this, yeah. this is how you want to win? Yes. You're not good enough if you're complaining about not enough people converting. No, I was just saying, is, 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 is that a thing? Really, no, cause I don't you, believe cause, that. Because you give away so much. And All of it. That's what I mean. So you... you you're never tempted to monetize any of that. I know you do like t-shirts and all that you kind know of why? stuff, but... Well, because you don't need to. Because I'm good enough. Yeah. It's, and, and the thing... So the, no, but like, listen, like, I love when people go to conferences and they're like, oh, that guy's such a great marketer. He's one of the best marketers. I'm like, who the fuck is that person? Like, no, everybody knows a great marketer. I'm like, great marketers show up on the fucking cover of Entrepreneur Magazine and show up on CNN and like work with Budweiser, right? So like... I, like, no, I mean, like, here we are, we're talking it out, so I let you in the mic. Like, like, I could sell plenty. I'm leaving real fucking money on the table. I get people Once. email me and offer me $100,000 to spend an hour with me. Yeah. Like, forget about your bullshit 30 bucks a month horse shit. I get people who offer me $100,000 to spend an hour. You know why? Because I'm good enough. And I still say no to that. So the answer is, that's it. The market is the market is the market. People write books and sell them direct and they want to use them as gateway drugs to other things. I get paid $4 million to even write a book. You know why? Because I'm good enough. <laughs> so think about it because then you can tweak it. If you actually believe that, the reason I'm forcing this one is because I need you to believe it. You need to understand it doesn't matter what you think about your content. You're not good enough if it's not converting to a number that you think. But you might not be willing to do shit to convert more because it's against your principles and I commend you for that. But then you have to get fucking good so that it happens what you're trying to do. You gotta ask yourself why are you even doing that? Like, is that's, you've decided that's a good business, that's fine, that's great. Like, these are all things that play out. Maybe if you gave a lot more content and mixed in some of the energy you, you're using to convert into a freemium model into maybe some content that's more about your acting, maybe that lead to bigger roles and you'll monetize that way. And then you can arbitrage fame and then that's the biggest of all. You know? The reason I get six figures to give a keynote everywhere I go plus is because I give away the other shit for free. Because I'm good enough. Hey, Gary. Okay, there, and then we'll go to... Go great, ahead, my friend. Great to see you again. Good um, to see you. I run a video business. Good. And uh, we're launching a retainer, uh, a retainer product, so pay okay. monthly, and you get a new video every month. Okay. 
what is the best way to take that to market? So it's a high-end product, medium-sized business, one to two million pound turnover is our target market. Facebook. Facebook ads? Yep. Cool. Anything else? Nope. I mean, it will, it, if it's good enough, it will work there because you can target small to medium-sized business, employees of small to medium-sized yes. business. There's no arbitrage that's better. It's just a good bet. I don't play poker. You play poker? Nope. Good. Who plays poker? Raise your hands. When you have the best fucking hand, you go all in. Yeah. Facebook's the best fucking hand. Go all in. Great. Thank you so much. Real quick, I apologize. The key though, the key is what you're gonna post in the ad. Facebook ads are the best. Now you've gotta make content to make people convert. But if you're doing a video product and you're about video, then you should make the videos that are able to convert. And if you don't, then you're not good enough. Right, like that's the, the market, the market. Hey. Hi Gary, thank you. Um, my name is Susan Beasley, I'm here with my husband Chris. We're both in our 60s. We hear you talk a lot about millennials needing to flipping wake themselves up yep. and do something about their lives. I also made a video for the 60-year-olds exactly. where I told you guys to wake the fuck up too. Yeah, and, and guess what? We did. Good. But the point is we're finding, even though we're champions entrepreneurship for 50s and 60 plus, that they're still burying their heads in the sand and they don't realize what's coming from them and they're not gonna have the retirement that they want because there's just no money for it. What can you say to them, please? I would say to them the same thing I've been saying to everybody, which is all you can do is tirelessly try to repackage the same truths in whatever way you can, different adjectives, different words, on different platforms with different colors and different angles and different edits, but it's the same tried and true shit, right? Like, you're just, listen, you know how many people here, watch this, want a good one, watch this. How many people here when they first saw my content hated me. Raise your hand. Raise it, it's okay. Right? Like, you know, what you need to do is keep trying. Right? Keep trying. Right? This dude hated me, now he has a sign that says, Gary, can you sign my shirt, please? <laughs> I mean, it's the fucking best. Right? It's, but what's cool was it meant that I said something a different way, a different time, one more time, somewhere else, showed up on some podcast that he did like the person. Wait a minute, why would that person let him on when I hate that person? Said something in a different angle. Maybe a different quote on Instagram. Somebody reshared it. All you could, there's nothing I can say. All you could do is keep saying it over and over and over and over again with different sprinkles on top. Brilliant, thank you. You got it. I'll get to it, I'll get to it. Hello, Gary. Hey, mate. How do you know when you've got the right opportunity, when your head's telling you that, you know, I've got a massive opportunity in front of me in the business that I'm currently in, but your heart's pulling you in a different path? Can you do both? Because I push a lot of people to both. When I hear that, I'm like, fuck, man, just do me a huge favor and audit every other hour, right? Like, that's a tough one, right? When the head and heart are aligned, magic. When the head and heart are pulling in opposite directions, back to why I was scared with artists, right? They're, they're not gonna be aligned. That sucks, comma, I need to know everything you do every hour you're awake, because if I can audit it carefully, I think you might be doing enough dumb shit that doesn't matter that will let you do both. 
Like, you know? It's a very interesting thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. like how many hours, by the way, I sleep six to seven hours a night. And I think it's always funny that people think it's a, like, yeah, I only sleep three hours. Like, sleep is a non-debate, like you need it. So like, but I'm asking you this carefully. How many hours a night do you tend to sleep? Tell the truth, do not lie. No, no, eight. Good, sleep seven. Like, you sleep do, less. One less hour, right? You just told me very passionately that your head and your heart are pulling in opposite directions. That's worth seven versus eight. Comma, how much telly do you watch? How many beers do you drink? How many YouTube videos do you watch? How many fucking conferences do you come to? (laughs) Here's what I know. I believe that you have enough time to do both, especially if any of them has anything to do with the internet. Guys, every one of our grandparents didn't have this. If they had a job and they wanted to build another business, that means they needed to be there. They didn't have the fucking internet. We're so lucky. Let's take advantage of it. We're the first generation, no matter what our age is, that's living through this internet thing that's bonkers shit crazy good. That's worth chipping away. You should sit down right now, not listen to a word I'm saying, and write down every fucking thing you do seven days a week. You've got family, you know, you've got things, people have things, but you have enough time for both. You're right. If Thank you, you want it. I want it. Hi, Eric. Hello. Uh, my name is Simon. I feel that the schooling system is letting a lot of kids down. Okay. And, uh, Me too. Oh, awesome. Uh, so, magic one Fuck time. Fuck school. Woo! <laughs> so, magic one time. Let's say you had, like, a, the blueprint, which is the perfect blueprint for, for the kids for the future. And by the know. way, real quick, I apologize. Fuck school if you're an entrepreneur. Like, if you want to be a consultant at McKinsey, you better go to fucking school. This is back to self-awareness. I, sorry to interrupt you. Like, I didn't like the way that felt. I don't want anybody to think it's blind. If you know who you are, let me promise you something. The number 19 employee at Facebook made a lot more money than everybody in this room because she was self-aware and went to a good school that gave her a job at Facebook that made her $400 trillion. <laughs> Got it? So, keep going. So let's say you had the blueprint which enabled kids you know, to be relevant for the future, especially with tech taking off. But you definitely don't have that. that no, not no, not exist. yet, no. No, no, not, never. Here's why. If you think you're gonna give a blueprint to a kid that is gonna allow them to be relevant in the future tech world, then you're disrespecting the speed of tech at a level that is even worse than school. Agreed. Okay. But let's say you had a better schooling system. Um, way better than what we have now. That's different. What is the best way to get traction so that... By not selling parents that believe in the school system. Sorry, could you say that again, please? Sure. By not trying to sell parents that actually believe in the school system. Got it. The biggest mistake that innovators make... I've sold shit my whole life that nobody believes in. E-commerce. Then, instead of going after French, Italian, and California wines, I attacked New Zealand, Australia, Portugal, my next big win. Then I believed in email instead of direct mail and newspaper when everybody else believed in the other way. Then I did Google AdWords instead of classifieds and the yellow pages. Then I did YouTube, blah, 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 blah. And the one consistent in my career is I don't spend a minute trying to convince anybody about anything. My level of giving a fuck, if you believe in what I'm saying up here, is zero. The mistake when people innovate is you're trying to convince people this is better for Johnny instead of finding all the people that agree with us. 
You go may call the believers your, then. What's that? Go to the believers then. Just don't even spend any time on anybody who has any value on the university. Awesome. Thank you, you so it. much. It's a really, what's fun about my answer there is that is the sales tip to every single person here. The amount of people that spend time trying to convince people, you're wasting time. These are binary decisions. Ladies, how quickly do you know if you're interested in the dude when you first meet him? You knew right away. These fucking suckers trying to trick you, they're not gonna win. This is a math game in sales. You need to go where there's opportunity instead of trying to force people to believe in your shit. And if you're good enough, then you become historically correct. I promise you one thing, my friends in here, there's a lot of people that were doing internet marketing in 2009 in this room when I hit the scene and started selling social media. And social media did not have black and white ROI in 2006, seven, eight, nine, 10. And they didn't believe. I won. So like, that's why sales and believing in what you have is so important. If you don't spend any time on trying to sell people that don't believe, and you're right and good at your product, you win twice because you make enough sales to get you to being in 2015 when it became obvious you were right and then everybody else comes. Got it? You go read my first book, it's called Crush It. I wrote that shit in 2008, it came out in 2009. Everything I wrote in that book fucking happened. That's just black and white. Thank you so much. Uh, my hand literally cramped here. <laughs> Last one. Fuck. Yeah. My question is going to be a bit weirder. Um, Perfect, that's a great way to end. Yeah, uh, so I flew from Bulgaria to come and see you. I'm awesome. a 23-year-old aspiring entrepreneur. Okay. Bought all your books, watched all your videos, came here. What I'm doing here now is throwing jabs at you. Okay. Uh, so literally, Gary. Yes. What would I have to do? I've messaged you multiple times. What How do I many have to times? A lot of times. Give more, me a more than 10 times. Give me an actual number. Ten times. <laughs> <laughs> I like so, the honesty. What do I have to do to get your attention, to give me five minutes of your time in New York to see how you work, to see your philosophy? Done? Done. Done. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Alright. You get his info. You will fucking hate me right now because I just called time on this. He's got a flight to catch. It's, it's his my wife's, wife's birthday. birthday tomorrow, and if I miss this flight, I'm fucking finished. <laughs> so I just want to say, I know you get invited to speak at events all over the world, all the fucking time. I don't know why you said yes to this one. I said yes because when I looked at your fucking face and I told you stop doing horseshit events, when you said I want to, I believed you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So. Ladies and gentlemen, make some fucking noise for Gary Vaynerchuk! Guys, thanks for listening to the audio experience. Two things, one, make sure you're watching my vlog on YouTube, and two, hit me up on the DM. It's going down on DM.